1: Time now for the second hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Good to be with you. As always, diving into the important issues of the day, including subjects that will be on your ballot. And in this case, we are looking at right this moment the prospect of an election Coming up in November of a number of ballot measures on this off year election. And you've of course got city council races. You've got school board races. We've got a lot coming up. A couple weeks ago, we had a member of the Denver school board, Scott Balderman, on next Saturday. We're scheduled to have Charmaine Lindsay back on, who is a school board member in Denver. So we're talking with different school board candidates. But there's another big issue in this case on the ballot in Douglas County, which is a bond and mill levy override package. That is to say a property tax increase and a a new uh, bond for funding in the first case more teacher pay. I mean, think about it this way. If your employer paid you nearly $20,000 less than their nearest competitor for the same kind of work, would you feel satisfied enough to stay? Because that's what we're talking about here as far as the differential in teacher pay. And then there's also the question of building new schools, which is what the bond would address. And there are parts of Douglas County that do not have a neighborhood school that have been promised for neighborhood schools for quite some time now and they may not get a school for quite some time if these measures do not pass 5a and 5b on the ballot and to talk about this dive in a bit we are pleased to be rejoined here in studio by Erin Kane she is the superintendent of Douglas County Schools kind enough to come on in on her day off when she's got some family stuff going on Erin welcome back to the show it's good to have you thanks so much for having me I appreciate you coming in, especially because this issue of school financing and how it's done is complicated. I mean, it took me quite a while, a couple years ago when I was studying up on it, to really get even a decent grasp of what it's all about. But before... We get to the specifics of school finance and also what's being proposed and some of those, uh, issues. Let's talk about the state of play. I mentioned a differential of nearly $20,000 between the, for employees between these two school uh, districts, the Douglas County schools and its closest competitor, so to speak, uh, because it is a competitor when you're looking for Absolutely. teachers amid a teacher shortage, especially, um, which would be Cherry Creek Schools. Let's talk about sort of the lay of the land in Douglas County right now as far as teacher pay and schools.
2: Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, we have a very serious competitor issue Um, right across County Line Road from us. We have Littleton Public Schools and Cherry Creek Public Schools. Um, Our average teacher salary is $20,000 approximately behind both of those districts. Both, okay. Um, and so it's, it's presented a a tremendous challenge for us. Um, our average teacher salary in Douglas County is about $58,000. In fact, Cherry Creek's starting teacher salary is almost $59,000. So it is actually higher than our average teacher salary. And in an environment where we have a tremendous teacher shortage, so there are absolutely more Openings than there are teacher applicants across Colorado and certainly across the metro area, along with our entire country. Um, and so that is pre- presenting tremendous challenges for us in terms of um, retaining our amazing staff. Because, Jimmy, like you said, teachers are just like us. They're raising children. They're thinking about putting kids through college. They want what's best for their family. When someone offers them $20,000 a year more just on the other side of the county line, How do they say no to that? How do any of us say no to that? So we're struggling with holding on to our teachers and with filling the openings that are resulting from retirements or from loss of teachers due to pay. Um, because we are not seeing a lot of applicants for our openings either because of our lower starting salary. And this
1: comes at a time uh, at the same time as you have what I think Doug Coast schools is like number seven or so from the, the CMAS scores, the best in the Denver metro area. Correct. So folks would say, well, I mean, at the level that you're paying teachers, you're getting that kind of a performance in this district. So why is it such a big deal? And to me, it sounds like it it really is about being able to retain and attract teachers who might wanna go to other school districts that are able to pay their employees more.
2: Absolutely, and yes, uh, we are very proud of our academic results. We did score in the top of the metro area. And in fact, in every single test, in every single grade level, and every single subject, we uh, outscored our own 2019 pre-pandemic scores. Um, which is truly remarkable, considering what we've been through. And the people who are delivering that kind of excellence every single day for our kids are our teachers, our amazing teachers. And if we can't hold on to them, it is not reasonable to expect that that level of excellence will be able to continue. We have to keep the people that made that happen.
1: Now, when we look at the costs and the way that Doug Co. Schools spends its money, there's always talk, myself included, about K-12 education and administrative bloat, that there's so much money that is going toward administrators, and we should keep it lean and mean, and that you can actually find some money – in the the administrative bloat to then go and pay teachers more. There are certainly school districts in the metro area where that is clearly the case. How does that picture look? In Douglas County. How is the money spent?
2: You know, uh, Jimmy, when I was interim superintendent from 2016 to 2018, I dug into the central administration budget and I cut 24 million dollars in ongoing expenses from central administration. Those cuts are still in place today. Um, we do have the leanest central administration Um, In the area, I would put us up against any school district. According to the Colorado Department of Education, we spend approximately $63 per student in general administration Um, our neighboring school districts are two or three or four times that amount. Um, so we, we really do feel good about how lean we are. And in fact, we are so lean that it is really hard for us to get the work done. Um, and just to give you an example, we have 8,600 employees in Douglas County School District across our 90 schools. And we have, uh, 23 professionals in human resources. That is one human resources professional. For every 370 employees, Forbes magazine says you should have 1 to 50, which is cute. That won't ever happen. But um, we are at 1 to 370. Our neighbor, neighboring districts are about 1 to a 100 or 1 to 200 at worst. So we really are incredibly lean everywhere, whether it's information technology, human resources, budgeting, all the things that need to get done in an organization that is our size.
1: What percentage of, and we'll talk about how schools are financed here in a bit, but What percentage of the spending goes toward teacher salaries and critical support staff as opposed to administration?
2: Yeah, you bet. Um, Out of our total salary spend, 70 percent of our uh, salary spend goes to licensed staff. So that's teachers. Um, And the other 30 percent is divided between support staff and, and what you might consider general administration. But I'd also like to just address administration for a moment we tend to uh, we tend to sort of demonize administration in general but i will tell you what not only are our teachers twenty thousand dollars under our competitors in cherry creek and littleton and other districts our principals are thirty thousand dollars under their our competition and it turns out in a school leadership matters we can't be turning over a principal every two years any more than we could be turning over teachers every year um, so that leadership really does matter, and we are struggling all across the board, whether it's principals and assistant principals, information technology professionals. We are off by twenty to $30,000 for all of our professionals.
1: And I think, though, for a lot of folks, we look at school districts and see – three vice principals and we see all these deans and of course you've got the top principal at each of the school and you have other positions that are in administration where people scratch their heads and they say, why do you have these sorts of roles when you should be focused on education and paying teachers more? And so it's not just the salaries of administrators that people look at, but the number of them that have at least nationally seemingly grown exponentially in the last few decades.
2: Yeah, I would not say that's the case in Douglas County School. We've got our our our, our schools have um, have a reasonable number of administrators compared to our teachers. And, you know, the truth is that for every dean, for example, that is in one of our schools, um, they are removing things from the plates of teachers so that teachers can focus on actually teaching students. So deans may take on student discipline, for example, which is, is in full support of our educators.
1: Aaron Kane, our guest here in studio, she is superintendent of Douglas County Schools, um, taking time on a Saturday morning to chat with us. Um, when we look at this compensation picture... Uh, one listener was saying, well, if you look and compare total compensation, which I assume means benefits on top of um, the the salaries that teachers get, well, then they're more in line with other school districts. How does that picture look?
2: So we do have a, a really nice benefits package. And I actually uh, personally sat down and went and did the math between our benefits package and our neighbors to see what that difference was. And the difference was um, about... Uh, eight hundred to a thousand dollars a year which is great but it's a twenty thousand dollar differential so that helps a little but in no way does that put us in line with other districts
1: uh, let's talk about one other factor that would be addressed in the uh, a bond and mill levy override um, but that was that would be addressed by taxes we'll talk about the you know what Rather than going into the bond, let's talk about the School Finance Act and how schools are funded so we can get a distinction between that. Because a lot of folks will say, well, you've got the state that's putting in money. You've got taxpayers that are putting in money from their property taxes. Uh, So how is it that Douglas County Schools doesn't have enough and needs to ask for more?
2: Absolutely. Well, for starters, the uh, School Finance Act gives each school district, um, essentially I'm going to call it an allowance, an allowance per student. This is how much you get per student. Now, I have three children, and... When my children were younger, my husband and I used to give them an, an allowance of $10 each a week for doing their chores. And I am perpetually known for not having enough cash in my wallet. It's always been a problem. It probably always will be. Um, my kids would come see me first for their allowance. And maybe I'm able to give them each $3. So where do they go next? They go see Dad, right? So they go see Dad, and they get the other $7 from Dad, and now they have their $10. Well, the next week, let's say I'm able to give my kids $6 from my wallet. So they each get $6 from my wallet. Then they go see Dad, and they get the other $4. Even though the amount of money that came out of my wallet the second week doubled, my kids still had the same $10 allowance. Because when they went and saw Dad, he just adjusted and gave them less so that it added up to $10. That's exactly how School Finance Act works. Even though our local taxpayers are about to put more, take more out of their wallets towards the school district, the state of Colorado will just contribute proportionately less. Our allowance remains unchanged.
1: So you have a a steady bucket that for the year and then it's just, okay, you have however much filled from the state, however much filled in property tax.
2: Exactly, exactly. So the the state determines the amount and the bucket is first filled with property taxes and the state fills in the difference. Now,
1: how does that fit in then with other school districts and comparing with them? Because, you know, school districts have these particular amounts. So how is there this inequity in teacher pay?
2: So um, our allowance under the School Finance Act along with our neighbors in the metro area are more or less the same. There's a little bit of a difference, but not a lot. The difference comes into the mill levy override. So going back to my analogy of the allowance, if my kids were to go ask grandma for some additional money, they would be able to go see an extra movie or whatever, have something above their $10. Likewise, school districts have the ability to ask their local taxpayers for money over and above their normal allowance. That's why it's called an override. Um, so it's over and above their normal allowance. And over the last 17 years, school districts have done this. Douglas County has passed one mill levy override in the last 17 years, but our neighbors have passed multiple mill levy overrides over the last 17 years. So the difference in funding is strictly in that local mill levy override. We receive $1,000 a student from our current mill levy override. Cherry Creek and Littleton, for example, receive about $3,000 a student from their local mill levy override. So the difference is $2,000 a student. And it's all in the local mill levy override, not in the state allowance.
1: And teacher pay, staff pay altogether, is funded simply through that those elements of the taxpayer money that comes in from property taxes and from the state. It is not has nothing to do with the bonds, right? There's a separate.
2: That's correct. Yeah. yeah well, like you said, let's set bond aside for a moment. But yes, those mill levy overrides allow us to. Um, handle ongoing expenses such as teacher pay. And when there's a $2,000 per student differential between us and our neighbors, we have 63,000 students. So that's equivalent to a $130 million funding gap. Of course, we can't pay our teachers competitively. $130 million gap. Um, We can't pay our teachers competitively. We can't pay our bus drivers competitively. We can't pay our custodians competitively and on and on. Well,
1: on that bus driver aspect uh, that's a big issue it's uh, school districts across issue. the state but you have what three weeks on a week off for buses
2: four weeks on one four weeks week on, off one week we off. have a rolling blackout schedule it's it's awful for our families um we started the year down 104 bus drivers now you and I had this discussion last year when we talked last year at this time I think we were down about 30 or 40 bus drivers this year a year later we're down 104 bus drivers that's that's bus driver jobs with no bus driver and no applicants.
1: So let's look for a moment, Aaron Kane, at this um, 5A and 5B. One of the ones, is that the 5A or the 5B that deals with the mill levy? 5A is the
2: Five mill a levy. 5A is of the right. mill levy, yeah.
1: And we'll, we'll talk about the bond when we come back in the next segment. But in terms of this proposal that is on the ballot, let's just talk factually about what it would do as far as teacher pay, as far as other staff like bus drivers, and as far as an, a component that's in this year that wasn't in last year providing armed security.
2: Absolutely. So let's start with uh, so 5A, we're asking for $60 million, excuse me, $66 million. The first $60 million is for pay. So it will help us become more competitive. Um, it will allow us to increase teacher pay by approximately 9%, just a little over 9% on average. It will allow us to increase support staff pay, bus drivers, custodians, kitchen workers, et cetera, by 9%. Everyone else would be increased by 7%. So that would be 5A. Um The $6 million component of that $66 million will help us increase security support at our schools. Um, so specifically, for example, we would be able to increase the number of school resource officers that we have in our district. We are so fortunate to have the most amazing partnership with um, our local law enforcement, including the Douglas County Sheriff's Office, the Parker PD, the Castle Rock PD and the Lone Tree PD. We all work together in lockstep. Um, to train and to plan and to keep our kids safe. And we have school resource officers in our high schools and our middle schools and patrolling um, among our elementary schools. So we'd like to increase that support just so we have um, more coverage. It's been a great program for us and for our law enforcement um, partners.
1: Uh, and so that would be uh, 5A, mm-hmm. which is part of what's on the Douglas County ballot starting in just a week or two. Gosh, I can't believe ballots are already about to drop. We have to take a break. Aaron Kane, our guest, she's superintendent of Douglas County Schools, coming in on a day off here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. When we return, we will answer uh, or, or share some criticisms and ask some questions uh, a little bit more as a follow up on this discussion and also talk about building new schools and the bond piece that is on the ballot that would be basically saying hey we want to take out a loan for the district and we need voter approval to do that so we can build new schools keep it right here the jimmy sangenberger show news talk 710 knus Welcome back, Jimmy Sangenberger's show, News Talk 710-KNUS-303-696-1971. At the top of the hour, our telephone number, you can call in at that time. We are joined by Erin Kane here in studio. She's superintendent of Douglas County Schools, coming in, kind enough, on a Saturday morning. Got some family stuff going on today. It's a day off, and we appreciate you joining us to talk about 5A and 5B, the mill levy override and the bond measure on the ballot in Douglas County. Again, we were talking about teacher pay and the property taxes component. We'll come back to that and answer some questions, get your answers to some questions and comments that we've been getting in from listeners. But I want to talk about the bond piece for a moment here, which is the aspect of the School Finance Act, as we talked about before, that provides funding for school maintenance and school construction and related things along those lines. So this is the 5B component of this ballot measure. Let's talk about the uh, funding situation for new school construction in particular and some of these other pieces that include, well, you need to maintain your buildings, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um Thank you. Sure. Absolutely. So the second aspect of um, asks to local taxpayers involve a bond, and a bond essentially means that the uh, district is asking permission to take out a mortgage on behalf of taxpayers so that the district can um, provide capital construction and capital maintenance to uh, district facilities, and the taxpayers essentially pay the mortgage. Um, on that loan. So they pay the mortgage over time through the bond payment. Um, That's a little bit about uh, how capital construction works in school districts. So anytime a school district wants to build a new um, building or a new school, they ask taxpayers for a bond and when taxpayers approve that bond, the district can take out the money to build that new school. That's how um, new schools get built. It's also how libraries get built. It's how our, our local, um, any kind of facility needed locally is is built. We have um, 90 schools in Douglas County. We're responsible for 111 buildings. All of our neighborhood schools were built through past bond elections. Um, prior to 2008, we used to pass a bond in Douglas County approximately every three years. Um, in order to build facilities and a little like your mortgage. So we refinance bonds, of course, um, as it's advantageous to the taxpayers. And when we do, it lowers the payment. And so if an, if new debt is taken out, that payment can be filled in with the new debt such that there's no impact on taxpayers. So. As taxpayers were paying this mortgage payment, the mortgage payment may go down, but then a new loan fills in that mortgage payment, just like if you refinance your house, but you use your HELOC to finish your basement. So you're still paying the same payment, but now you have a finished basement. Mm. Um, so typically, uh, taking on debt will not increase um, what taxpayers are paying because we're sunsetting previous debt. Um, If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think I think it does. And that is an important piece, because as we're talking about a property tax increase, folks will look at a bond and say, well, does this mean that our loan payment, in essence, is going to be going up? And you're saying the way that it works. That's not the case.
2: That's correct. In fact, um, in our situation right now, even if 5B were to pass. Um, our mortgage payment would be going down. It would go down more if 5B doesn't pass, of course. But if 5B were to pass, even then, our mortgage payment would be going down. So the impact of 5B on taxpayers is actually 5B isolated. The impact of 5B by itself is actually a decrease mm. um, in what taxpayers are currently paying.
1: Again Aaron Kane our guest superintendent Douglas County Schools uh let's talk about what the bond would fund particularly first with school construction because I know for example uh, my sister and her husband bought a home a few years back in a uh, a part of the southern part of Douglas County where they don't have a neighborhood school nearby and they you know there's signs nearby that say hey future site of Douglas County school But when that future site will be filled is an open question. That is technically on the ballot right now, I think.
2: Exactly, exactly. So the way that uh, b- constructing new schools work, when developers build communities, developers under the law have to dedicate land for uh, public schools. However, it is up to us, the local taxpayers, to decide if we want to build a public school, and again, in the same way we build our public libraries. And um, we have a lot of communities in Douglas County right now where we are seeing tremendous growth um Sterling Ranch is a great example. Sterling Ranch is west of Santa Fe. It's west of Highlands Ranch. Um it is supposed to be about 18,000 homes just to give you something to compare to Highlands Ranch is 38,000 homes and Highlands Ranch has 18 elementary schools available for those 38,000 homes. Sterling Ranch will be 18,000 homes. It's about 20% built out and there's not a single elementary school in all of Sterling Ranch. And so that's one of the areas that uh the new the bond would target building an elementary school.
1: Oh wow. That's a that's a stark difference especially since isn't it? that sort of lone tree highlands ranch some of those areas more northern part of the county are declining in enrollment this is one of the things with regards to school construction is people look and they say well look at what's happening in this part of the county where you're seeing declining enrollment seems it's the opposite situation when you go more in, in the more southern part.
2: Absolutely. In our in our in our newer communities where the houses are being built like crazy, young families are moving in and those little guys need somewhere to go to school. Um, Sterling Ranch is a great example. Another example is the Canyons, which is east of I twenty five at Castle Pines Parkway. We're currently busing those kids across the highway. Um, and Crystal Valley in Castle Rock is another example of a community where the community is really really large and yet we're busing children to another community to go to school
1: so that's a big piece is constructing these three new schools what else would this bond finance
2: Uh, the bond would help us expand career and technical education for our students we are finding that our kids are demanding more and more having career and technical education and we're really proud of all the programming that we've been able to put in in Douglas County, but we still have wait lists. So, one of the things that the bond would cover would be an auto shop in the Highlands Ranch area. We offer auto in Parker and we offer auto in Castle Rock, but we do not currently have Current Technical Education Auto Shop. Um, in highlands ranch and that is something that is big in demand um it would also cover career and technical education pathways at our new le- legacy campus so it would double um currently we are able to serve about 400, 400 450 kids there would double the number of kids that we can serve um, at the legacy campus
1: uh and then there's just another uh, school safety component right is building yes. up some of those measures?
2: Yes, making sure that we're um, keeping up with the latest and greatest technology across all of our school buildings in terms of Um, security, whether it's cameras or physical hardening, et cetera.
1: Now, listener text coming in talking about, and I've always been confused on what the recreational marijuana taxes actually fund, but Tim and Aurora saying taxes on recreational marijuana are designated for new public school construction. How would that defray Douglas County's costs? Sure.
2: So um, a lot of the taxes for marijuana go to a fund, the statewide fund called Building Excellent Schools Today, or the BEST fund. Um, The best fund is uh, something that you have to apply for, and it is um, generally for communities that do not have the tax base to support a school. So it's generally for very, very rural communities to be able to build new schools.
1: Um, When we look at the bond component here, and you're talking about building out new schools, and we look at the teacher pay component what that to me is addressing, and it's why, as I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit, I will be voting as now a Douglas County resident as of a couple months ago, I will be voting in favor of both 5A and 5B. And part of the reason why is because of this competitiveness point that you're talking about with regards to school districts and being able to provide more teacher pay so you attract teachers to Douglas County schools as opposed to say, The Cherry Creek School District, which I'll just say this, it's running on an antiquated reputation that no longer fits for Cherry Creek Schools, yet they're able to attract many more teachers and so forth because in part of the compensation packages. But also when we look at the situation of Douglas County's growth. You want to keep that growth going in the county and the potential there, and in order to make that happen, you have to have the schools that are available, and and to keep the economic base growing so you can have a thriving economy in Douglas County. You need schools in the first place, say, in that southern part of the county, and you need better quality schools as much as you can, which requires having good teachers.
2: Absolutely. And and if you think about schools as the economic engine of a community, they absolutely are. Um, When new companies like Charles Schwab, which moved in a handful of years ago into Douglas County, what is the first question a company asks when considering where to move? their entire their company and to relocate their workforce. How are the schools? That's their first question, because they want to make sure they're relocating their workforce to a place with wonderful schools. Let
1: me just put a pin on that point. When we moved here to Colorado, 2001 in January, my parents chose Southeast Aurora because of the Cherry Creek School District in that case. And at that time saying, "Okay, this is the school district we want because it looks like it's the best and it's it's positioned well enough, close enough to my dad's work that he would be at that it wouldn't be too far either. That is a driving reason.
2: It absolutely is a driving reason. It's also a driving reason for property values. Um, We need people to move to Douglas County and to want to move to Douglas County in order to keep and maintain our property values. Um, It's really important. The kids that are graduating from Douglas County schools are also our future workforce. Um, They're the kids that are going into our companies. We want them to be very successful high earners when they come out because they will contribute to the prosperity of our county.
1: Erin Kane joining us here in studio on a Saturday morning. She's the superintendent of Douglas County Schools. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll do rapid fire because we won't have much time, but we'll try and fly through a number of questions that have been texted in and more as we continue. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Time is flying by on Denver's Local Talk Leader News Talk 710 KNUS. Coming back, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710 KNUS in studio on a Saturday morning with Aaron Kane, superintendent of Douglas County Schools. And we've been talking about how schools are funded through the Campaign Finance Act. And just the bottom line is that. Teacher pay, staff pay is funded through property taxes and money from the state. And the amount is determined by the state, the total amount in that bucket. And the the school districts can ask for more, hence a mill levy override, 5A on the ballot. Um, is that right, first of all?
2: Yes, that's okay. absolutely right. So school districts can ask for more over their uh, School Finance Act allowance and the school districts all have including us but other districts have outpaced us in that asking for more and that's why we have a teachers a teacher pay disparity
1: and when we look at, of up to $20,000, yes, average about.
2: teacher pay is off by about $20,000 from our neighbors right across County Line Road.
1: And when we look at the other aspect of the bond, bonds fund school construction and school maintenance. And that's what we're seeing as far as building three new schools in the southern part of the district that don't have neighborhood schools nearby, uh, or at least in that area. And they have to, say, cross the highway in order to get there. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at elementary schools in three of our uh, new. communities, career and technical education for our students, safety and security upgrades um, across our district. And then, as you said, just maintenance of our um, 110 buildings that we're responsible for.
1: And when we look at the mill levy and bond, the mill levy override and the bond proposals, 5A and 5B, the question that constantly comes up, we've had listener texts, we've had critics say it on the right in particular. Why now, when the economy is the way that it is, and property taxes are skyrocketing for folks in Douglas County and throughout the state of Colorado?
2: Absolutely. We are very, very sensitive to the fact that our taxes are going up. My my husband and I live in Douglas County. We have for 23 years. We received our letter just like everyone else. Our home value went up by a whopping 60%. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we are well aware of um, the impact on taxpayers. The challenge is that when this was on the ballot last year, I would say we were in um, an urgent situation. This year we have really hit crisis. Um, and so while the timing is um, certainly less than ideal, we have got to keep teachers in front of our kids. And and just to give you an example, I was in an elementary school um, a few weeks ago, and the principal was explaining to me that she has these three second-grade classrooms. And she had hired a new second-grade teacher who was all excited to start. And right before the school year started, the new second-grade teacher got an offer from another district for significantly more money, so she... Um, Never even started. She declined the offer wow. with Douglas County after having accepted it because it was significantly more money and she could actually afford an apartment. So um, so they this, this principal started her school year off with only two second grade teachers and no one in the third spot, and she received no applicants. So she had no choice but to take her three second grade classes and combine them into two at about 34 kids in each class. Um, that's... That's what's starting to happen because we're seeing no applicants for teaching positions. Um, and it's been a real challenge this year. And like our bus driver situation, it will be two or three times worse a, a year from now. Now,
1: in, in that regard, then, let's talk about the, the real cost of this. For
2: yeah, taxpayers. absolutely. It's actually it's actually pretty reasonable. We tried to keep the ask to um, to a very reasonable place. So if 5A and 5B both pass. The um, impact to taxpayers is $20 per year per 100000 in home value. So if you have a million-dollar home, that is $200 a year is the total impact.
1: And that equates to something on the order of, what, $15 to $20 a like month?
2: $16 a month, Yeah.
1: And in that regard, you're suggesting, OK, this is it, it's at a price point, so to speak, that's worth it, given the value. That's the pitch.
2: Yeah. Well, and just just given the urgency of the situation Um and sixteen dollars a month for again, for a million dollar home um is is a reasonable in my view as a citizen is a reasonable ask.
1: Uh, Aaron Kane, when we look at uh, the influx of people, you have more people move into Douglas County. Will that have an impact on anything here?
2: Absolutely. It's really important for our citizens to understand that our mill levy override is a fixed dollar amount. So what that means is as more people move into our district, they will cost each individual homeowner less because that – um, that mill levy override fixed dollar amount is spread over more homeowners. So it does not go up with home value um, because it's a fixed dollar amount. We back into the mills every year based on how many mills it would take to collect the fixed dollar amount. So the, the impact on homeowners will diminish over time.
1: One of these questions here is we we just have a couple more minutes, so real quick uh, comments here. Uh, Robert and Highlands Ranch, my concern with Douglas County Schools is their pandemic response, including closing schools that hurt kids. They should apologize and then try and safeguard so that it never happens again. I ask you to respond to that, especially as a former charter school principal who I watched the video. You were one of a few charter school principals in Dougco who pled your case to the previous school board. Previous is a key word and said, hey, we should be exactly Exempted from the mask mandate in your school, did get an exemption.
2: Yes. So, as a as a charter school leader, I fought really hard to keep um, to keep our schools open and to minimize the impact on our students, including mask mandates. Um, and I did go to the previous board um, and make an argument against having a mask mandate for. Um, our young children during the, uh, 2021, 20, uh, or excuse me, the 2021 school year and the 21 school year. Um, I will tell you that, of course, the board has changed since that time and, um, the mask mandates were removed from our district as soon as they could be. And our current board has committed to not having future mask mandates. Um, and, you know, and, and again, I really want to praise our educators for across our district in all of our schools, our charter schools and our neighborhood schools for all the amazing work that they have done to now be able to have our kids back to even an even higher place than they were pre-pandemic academically.
1: We've got about 40 seconds here. Final thoughts from you, Aaron Kane, Superintendent Doug Schools.
2: I just really want to thank you for having me on the show. And, um, I want to thank our citizens for all the support for our school system. Um, we are working really hard for the citizens of Douglas County and to make sure that our kids have the absolute brightest future possible. For me, I have a, a graduate who graduated in 2021 from Rock Canyon High School, Go Jags. And, uh, she did, due to what she was able to do at Rock Canyon High School, she was in career in tech ed and biotechnology. And she's now... Um at a great, prominent university in bioengineering, and we are so proud of her. I want to make sure that today's kindergartners, today's preschoolers, today's little guys have the same amazing opportunities that my kids had in Douglas County schools because the kids in our community deserve mm-hmm. nothing less.
1: Well, I would say that the administrative costs, as we were talking about, leaner than other school districts, and I've seen the comparisons. I think it's like $63 in Dugco to 138 in Denver, if I recall correctly, or something on the order of that. It's dramatic difference. That's one box that conservatives always want to see checked. We also want to see good outcomes. We are seeing that best in the Denver metro area in Douglas County schools, and we're seeing a competitiveness factor that comes into play with schools available for the county and teacher pay. Uh, I'm a yes on 5A and 5B as a new Doug co-voter. We'll be right back